What's up, guys? You guys know my parents are here? Let's put them on blast. This is my mom. My oh, did it? Did it turn off? Um, wow, this is fun. So guess who I'm going to talk about today? Yeah, I'm going to talk about Jesus. Is that okay? I, I just want to talk about Jesus. Is that cool with you guys? I want to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ because I don't, I don't know if you've been saved for 40 years or 40 days or 10 minutes, but to me, it's just always fresh. It's always alive. Jesus said that my words are spirit and they are life. Everyone say spirit and life. Jesus said my words are spirit and life. Come on, the Bible says that. So we're going to talk about the words of Jesus, amen? We're going to go there. Let's pray as I start. Everyone just look, look in your heart to the Lord and say, thank you, Jesus. Father, we just bless you. We thank you that you've made us new creations in you. Thank you, Father, that you delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light of your beloved son. We bless you and we honor you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to talk about the gospel. I'm going to talk about the power of God. And then I'm going to touch briefly on evangelism. Is that cool? Is that cool? Okay. So the Bible says in... Uh, it says that all flesh is like grass and its glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass is going to wither and the flowers are going to fade, but the word of God endures forever. And then it says that this word is the good news that was preached to you. So, we, so this gospel of Jesus Christ is, is literally everything. It's everything that you can see is temporary. It's going to wither. Your, your skin and bones is, is like grass. And its glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So as believers, it's our job to stay rooted in the word of the Lord, to stay rooted in the goodness of God, and to manifest his glory to the world. Amen? Come on. Come on. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but during worship, I was just feeling a reminder from the Holy Spirit to just this. I don't know if you guys felt that, but I felt him still our hearts and remind us of the simplicity of intimacy with him. Raise your hand if you're feeling that. Were you feeling that? I was, raise your hand again. Was it just me? I only saw like three hands. Okay. I, everything that we're called to do in life, it revolves around intimacy with Jesus, right? Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words remain in you, you will bear much fruit. So as Christians, our job isn't to try to be good people. Our job is to abide in the one who loves you and to commune with him. And Jesus is the one who made a way for us to do that easily, yeah, you know how he did it? The Bible says that whenever a sinner turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. So before you came to Jesus, you were blinded. Before you came to Jesus, the Bible says that your sin was blinded to you. The Bible says in Ephesians that, that at one time, you were alienated from the life of God, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel without God and without hope in the world. Right, but when, then it says, when a, when a, whenever a sinner turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. A veil is something that goes over your eyes that blinds you. But now we can have free access because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. What did? Does that make sense? Christianity isn't about trying hard to be a better person. It's about giving praise to Jesus for what he did so we could come boldly before the throne of grace to receive help in time of need. And I think he's just reminding us of that. You know, when Jesus literally died on a cross and was resurrected in the, in the actual physical temple, there was a physical temple. And there was a really thick curtain. And it was separating the holies of holies where the presence of God actually dwelt. And only the high priest could go in there. And there was a big curtain. When he resurrected and died on the cross, that veil was supernaturally split in two. It's a prophetic sign that now not just the 
holy high priest of Israel could go into that special place where God's presence dwelt, but we could come in. You guys get it? This intimacy with Jesus has nothing to do with how good you are or what you've done. It's everything to do with what Jesus did. Sometimes our feelings can lie to us. Say, well, I haven't prayed enough. I haven't read my Bible enough, so I feel distant from God. That's a lie. Jesus made a way so you could come close by his grace. Amen? Come on, Jesus. We just thank you for intimacy with the Father. You guys know that uh, condemnation isn't from God? You know the Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren. Who's the brethren? Yeah, you. <laughs> you guys are. The Bible says that the devil is the accuser of the brethren, and he sits day and night accusing them. So if you feel condemned, it's just good to have your spiritual awareness of what's going on and say, like, the devil wants to condemn you and say, I'm not good enough to come to God. But if I don't come to God, how am I going to bear fruit? Because I'm called to abide in him. Jesus made a way so I can abide in him and bear much fruit. Fruit for God, fruit comes, fruit is just evidence that you're rightly connected. Fruit isn't something you try to do. It's just being rightly connected and it's going to naturally flow from you. If you want to look like Jesus and bear fruit with, for Jesus, it's just all about being with Jesus. The Bible says let your, let your roots go down deep into the love of God so you can be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Our job as believers is to let your life and your roots go deep into what? Not just like this idea that God is real, that I'll go to heaven one day when I die, but that he loves you. Let your roots go down deep into the love of God. That's the foundation of your faith is his love for you. Not just this weird theological idea that God became a man, died on a cross, and one day I'll go to heaven, but he loves you, and he died on a cross to set you free from the power of sin of death so you can experience his goodness today, Right? Oh, here we go. I'm getting excited. Look, guys, I, I, met, I met Jesus 12 years ago, and, I, and I'm just, just equally excited. Like, I, I, during worship, I'm like crying, just remembering how much he loves me, and that's enough to change anybody. You know what I'm saying? If we, need to, if we want to change the world, we need to sit in the love of God more. Yeah? Come on. Well, one time I had a dream, and I was sitting on the bank of a river, I love evangelism. I love sharing Jesus because he's done so much for me. He's changed my life, set me free from so many addictions. And um, I had a dream one day, and I was sitting on a bank fishing, and it was all murky. And I was trying to catch all these fish. And then in the dream, I couldn't see the water. And Jesus sitting next to me in the dream. And he looks at me, and I look at him, and he goes, David, it's not about how many fish you catch. It's just about how you spend your time catching the fish. And he was like, I'm right here. Just be with me. In other words, don't focus on the fruit, focus on the root. Right? Come on, he loves us. It almost sounds too good to be true, but I guarantee the more you abide in him and let, his, let your roots go down deep into his love, you're going to naturally represent him. Does that make sense? If, if we're called to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all that is is a commandment over your life, but you feel inadequate to do it, you're going to be full of shame, guilt, and condemnation. You're going to feel like you can't measure up. But if you overflow with the goodness of God, you're going to accidentally spill that goodness onto other people when you're in the marketplace and stuff. You can't help it. When you're letting your roots go down deep, you're going to be overflowing like you're a cup and you need to overflow. You know what I'm saying? Not just be like, I need to like somehow pop a fruit out. Like we always say that. Like you don't see a tree going like this. But, you know? It's because here's the deal. The Bible says that it's the work of the Lord, not the work of David. It's easy for Jesus to manifest Jesus to the world. But I have a job and my job is to let my roots go down deep into his love for me. Right? Come on, praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for the gospel. This is good news. So the, the gospel, you know what it does is it actually sets you free from the power of sin and death. And not just so you can go to heaven when you die, but it's actually so you can be born again and look like Jesus here and now. The Bible says it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Set you free from what? The power of sin over your life. Right? <laughs> right? So sin isn't just doing a bad thing. It's actually a power that causes you to keep doing it. Paul says in Romans 7, he says, I speak to those who know the law, talking about as if he was still under the law. He goes, I'm talking about those who are still under the law. He goes, I do keep doing the things that I don't want to do because of the power of sin on his life, right? And then he says, who will deliver me? Wretched man that I am, praise be to God through Jesus. So when Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave, our faith in him and what he did is counted to you as righteousness. The Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin on the cross so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? I tried really hard to be... to, to do the right thing in life. I tried really hard before I knew Jesus to free myself from, like even just cigarettes, man. I, from the first cigarette, that nicotine grabbed me. And then three, three and a half years of just almost a packing day of cigarettes, right? And then pot, I was like, I'm gonna smoke pot and then I'm just gonna do it a little bit. And the next thing you know, it's three and a half years of finding cans to like smoke a little bit in on the way to school. And just like, if I had an apple, but no pipe, I'd, I'd like make, I'd stick a pen in the apple, put the pot on the top, like I'll get high right now. You needed to know that fact for some reason. But <laughs> people are like, dude, that's a good way to smoke pot. It's healthier than the can. The can has aluminum, it's like bad for your brain. But the point is I couldn't stop on my own. I'm doing this stuff going, man, I know this is probably bad. There's like aluminum that I'm burning and I'm like putting it in my brain. But the point is in that, who will deliver me, wretched man that I am? I do the things that I don't want to do. But I initially did it because I'm trying to fill a void because I didn't want to come to God who is love, who fills that only void, you know. But no one, you can't set your own self free. And I didn't want to come to the gospel. I didn't want to come to God. I didn't want it, you know? So I got super depressed. I was like depressed because I was away from the presence of the Lord. That's like the love that we feel. That's just home. The Bible says that he sets the lonely in families, okay? I had an amazing family there right there. Even when I was doing all this stuff, I had an like amazing family who loved me. But the love that I really needed was God and I didn't want to come to him. You can have an amazing family who loves you, people all around you, everything you need. But if you don't want to come to God who created you and loves you, you're going to be dead inside. It doesn't matter. Like you need, we, the world needs this. The world, we don't have a lot of time here. (laughs) That's why I get, I get pumped. We don't have enough time here. You know, we, your life is a vapor. That's why it says store up your treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust don't destroy, like, because where your heart is, there your treasure will be. And, like, people are God's treasure. Do you, do you get it? God, God didn't die for, <laughs> um, this might hurt someone's feeling. He didn't die for, like, the cows and the dogs. And he died for the people. People are God's treasures, you know? And I want to be someone who has this, who, out of reverence for God, but also just out of love for him because of what he's done for me, want to share that love with others, right? Right? So... The deliverance that we get comes from the freedom of the gospel. When I was going through all those things, going through just addiction and all that, when I didn't want to turn to God, I couldn't free myself. But you know, it was like the second I turned to God, 
The Bible says that whenever a sinner turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. I saw, G- I, I prayed. I was like, I've heard, of my, my parents took me to church growing up. I heard about Jesus, didn't want anything to do with him. I went in a room and I, and I prayed and I said, God, if you're real, just like I'm here. And I just saw Jesus on the cross and I started crying. It was that simple. I just started crying and I felt his love come in me. And I never, from that day, never smoked pot, never wanted a cigarette, stopped partying. And it wasn't because I tried. It was just because I started to get, I was born again. I became a new person. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and behold, the new has come. Jesus didn't die so that David could try really hard to be a better person. He died to make me a new person and to put his life inside of me and make me born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. That which is born of water and flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. The Bible says in Ephesians that when you believed, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. Okay? When you believe, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells inside of your heart and what? Makes you a new creation. It's that simple. It's that simple. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> One of my, do I even have notes? What are we, where are we going with this? <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going to Ephesians 2. Uh, if you can go there if you want. You don't have to. You can just close your eyes and listen. That's what, what I like to do. Ephesians 2, I'm going to start in, uh, I think it's verse 2. It says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Everyone say, once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived. Everyone say, once lived. In the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Everyone say, by grace. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then verse seven, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So when I, when I got saved, I was in college and there was this professor, a lot, a lot of my professors were like atheists and it wouldn't even be like a philosophy class, but all of a sudden they'd just be like talking about how Jesus isn't real. And it was just like really impacted me. And when I got saved, I was like, oh, like I'm gonna go to this class. And, but it was crazy because the faith that came inside of me was as simple as, I was, remember walking to that philosophy class where that teacher would just out of nowhere just start talking about how Christians are like, deceived and it's just like kind of foolish and it is foolish to the world. But the Bible says that the foolishness of God, it pleased God that in the foolishness of, that was preached that he would save those who would believe. Side topic. What I'm saying is, what, were, what was I saying? <laughs> this is why you have notes, huh? I like, I like just going from the heart sometimes because I, I know that you guys will keep me on track. Um, what I'm saying is when I got saved, it was easy for me to remember that this is real because I would just look back two weeks before and be like, it's impossible. I was dead. Now I'm alive. You can't tell me that it's not true because I was literally dead. Now I'm alive. It was that different. It was night and day to me. Whenever a doubt would come into my mind about 
what if this is fake? All I would have to do is literally think back, like those two weeks into, into being born again, I would think back to who I was two weeks ago and be like, that's impossible. I was literally dead. Now I'm alive. This has to be real. I'm that different. And what I'm trying to say is that that's what the gospel is for us. It's not just... We're not just Christians who believe good theology. So one day we can hopefully meet Jesus face to face. And he's like, yeah, you, be- you believed right. You're coming in. We're Christians so we can actually be born again to look like Jesus here and now. I love, I don't know who said it, but it says, if, if you're only set free from your sin when you physically die and go to heaven, then you're saying that Jesus isn't your savior, your death is. But what I'm saying is that you've died with Christ. The Bible says in Romans 6 that you were buried with him in baptism into death in order that the body of sin might be put away and be done with. And then it says that we were, if we were buried with him, we'll also be risen with him. So just as Christ was raised from the grave, we too might walk in a newness of life. Amen? Amen. And then uh, one of the main topics I want to talk about is the power of God. Who likes the power of God? All right. So Paul says in Romans, he says... Um, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Everyone know this? Because it is the power of God for salvation for all who believe, right? Um, Paul says in Corinthians, he says, when I was among you, I didn't come with words of eloquent wisdom and plausible speech, but I decided to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified so that the cross of Christ wouldn't be emptied of its power. And he goes, I was with you in much fear and trembling. And he said, um, he said that, uh, See, this is what happens. I try to remember it when I could just read it. He said, but I came with demonstration of spirit and power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Everyone say power of God. Power of God. Guys, why, do we, why, do we, why is it important to believe that God still does miracles? Why is it important to walk this out? Because it manifests his glory. In uh, John 2, the first of Jesus' miracles, he, when he turned water into wine, it says this was the first miracle that Jesus did and manifested his glory. So, so when something becomes manifest, it's taking an invisible thing and making it visible. That's what manifestation is. It's taking an invisible thing and making it manifest and visible. This was the first of the signs that Jesus did and manifested his glory. And then right after it says that he manifested his glory, it's the next verse, it says, and his disciples believed in him. If the people who walked with Jesus, their foundation of their faith, they got to see miracles and Jesus doing this stuff, and that was their foundation, how much more should we need some more now? You know what I'm saying? Like, he's so good and he wants to do this. It's, Paul literally says that I came preaching to you not with eloquent words of wisdom, but with demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith wouldn't rest on man's wisdom, but on the power of God. This is, a normal, this is normal Christianity. This is normal. The power of God is normal. It should be naturally supernatural for us. It's not about glorifying power and seeking God. I need to see a sign so I can believe. I need to see a sign because I, I'm like, it's my high. It's just a part of his nature and who he is. And we need to be okay with all of God. Right? If you believe the Bible, you believe some crazy things already. <laughs> Raise your hand if you believe the Bible. You guys believe crazy things. And they're for today. They're for today. One time I was uh, evangelizing at a coffee shop. And by evangelizing, I just mean I was going with an intentional heart. I wasn't like, I'm going to go just stand on a podium and preach. Them. I was just like, I'm going to go just to hear God for people and see what he does. And there was a, it was an open mic night, and this guy was uh, singing. And as he was singing, I just felt like 
deep depression. Like he didn't look depressed at all, but I felt deep sadness. And I also felt back pain. And the second he got off, and when I say I felt it, I mean in my heart, I felt like the Lord Jesus was telling me about this guy. Okay? Because he lives in us. He likes to talk to us about people that he loves and cares about. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that one of the gifts of the Spirit is a word of knowledge. That there's no way you can know it unless the Lord spoke that to you. So it's a word of knowledge. And so I'm sitting there and I couldn't help shaking that this guy has back pain and I just feel depressed when I'm looking at him, even though he's singing this happy song. And he gets off the stage and I said, um, I think his name was Aaron. And I said, uh, Aaron, this is going to sound really random, but do you have back pain in your back? He's like, yeah, my back gives me trouble all the time. And so we ended up praying for him. I don't know if anyone's ever seen like someone with a leg that's shorter, but uh, a lot of times when we go through growth spurts, sometimes one of our legs is just a little bit shorter than the other. And so he had a leg that was a little bit shorter than the other and God supernaturally grew out his leg to the point where all his pain left immediately and he could feel it happen. And I have a picture of it. And so Valerie's right there, not my, Valerie's wife. And we just started praying for this guy. And he wasn't a believer, didn't, didn't, follow, didn't follow the Lord, but he just got healed. His back pain left. Okay, it's not placebo. This guy was not trying to like, be cool and be our friend and, and make us happy. We didn't, want any, we didn't want anything from him. We don't need, love isn't, I don't need you to like validate my beliefs that God can do miracles. It's like, man, I just love you. God told me this and he wants to heal you, you know? And so he's, he gets fully healed and there's this picture of him standing there like this and we're just praying over him and he's literally going like this and we ask him and we say, what's like after we prayed and he received Jesus, he was literally receiving Jesus. We let him in the prayer or whatever and just said, Lord, like if God, here I am, like I'm coming home. And he literally was like coming home and I have this picture of him like this and he's just like this and I said Aaron what was going on he said it was like love just came and and pushed all the pain out and he was talking about his depression which I would have I like I don't even think I mentioned that I just felt it and, and then I was like oh my gosh I was feeling that the whole time and it stuck me he's like it was just like love came and just went in and just pushed all the pain out but what I'm saying is like it's an open, these signs and wonders it's, and words and knowledge, it's an open door for the gospel. Like we're in the 20th century, people aren't seeing Jesus. Like Thomas got to put his fingers in Jesus' side. His disciples, Jesus walked with people who saw him do all these miracles. He told them they were, he was going to rise from the grave. And even when he rose from the grave, some, people, some of his disciples didn't believe in him when he was standing right there. These are people who walked with him. They're sta standing right there with Jesus. And Thomas says, only if I put my fingers in his side and feel, feel his wounds will, will I believe. Okay? That's crazy. How much more should non-believers in our culture need to see the power of God? Look, I'm not saying that it's all about the power because his words are spirit in their life. That's powerful. You know what I'm saying? Jesus said, blessed, he, after Thomas touched his side, he even said like, oh, now that you see, do you believe? Blessed are those who, who, who uh, even don't see but still believe, okay? And if you're thinking, there's a scripture that says like an evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign, right? Right before that, it says that the Pharisees seeking to test him came up to Jesus, if you're seeking a sign to test God and be like, God, if you're really real, like the devil to Jesus in the wilderness, Jesus, if you're really real, if you're really the son of God, command these stones to become bread. You know, we don't need to test God. We're not seeking to test God in these things. It's just a part of who he is. And that's how Jesus did ministry. And he said, just as the father sent me, so I send you. And how did the father send Jesus? It says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost and destroy the works of the devil. It said he went around healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is Jesus manifested on the earth. And now that we get to be born again and who lives inside of us, Jesus. And we get to go send the devil packing in people's lives. The devil is a tyrant. 
Man, when you're not following Jesus, the devil oppresses you. I was depressed. I wanted to, I would like walk around and just have thoughts of like wanting to kill myself all the time. Like literally, I wanted to kill myself. I'd walking on my college and I'd see the parking structure and I'd look at it and just have thoughts about I'm worthless. I should just jump off. I don't think every one of those thoughts came from my own brain. You know what I'm saying? You want to know why? It's because the second I met Jesus, those thoughts left because it went packing in my life. You know what I'm saying? The devil's a liar. He's a liar. And so what, why I'm saying this is because we're the hands and feet of Jesus. We're the body of Christ. The Bible says that we are called in all things to grow up into him who is the head. Come on. Jesus. 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 So good. There's, there's a, one time I was at a park. And there's a, there's a guy sitting on the ground, scratching himself. He looked like a spider. He was literally like scratching himself. He was like bleeding and scratching himself, just like sunburned. I think he was homeless. And he was cr- sitting like cross-legged, just like scratching himself. Like, I gotta go talk to this guy, you know? And I go, hey man, how are you? What's your name? And he just goes, Satan? And I'm like, yeah! It's like, it prob- probably is. Like, whoa! Like, that was crazy, you know? I'm just saying, like, this is biblical. Guys, like, what about Legion, the guy who had, like, 2,000 demons, you know, scratching himself, cutting himself with rocks, you know? And so I ended up saying, in the name of Jesus, Satan, let this man talk. I'm like, what's your name? He's like, Michael, you know? And me and my friend, we sat with him for, like, I think it was, like, four hours, dude, just loving on the guy. He ended up coming to his right mind and telling his whole story about being molested as a kid and just, like, he had an ankle bracelet on. I think he was, like, on house arrest or something. It was really strange. I don't know, but he had an ankle bracelet on. Um, And I'm saying this because as believers, we have the authority of God. Jesus sent out his disciples and said, go heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay? Like, when when you preach the gospel, it's a show and tell gospel. You don't just say, like, hey, Jesus, Jesus Christ is alive, and he has the power right now to set you free. Whether, whether, whether you need a miracle or not, whether you just need your heart to be set free from sin and depression and hating yourself. You know what I'm saying? It's not all. If people need the power of God on their life, if someone just came up to me and said, hey, everything you're going through, you're going to stay that way, but one day you'll go to heaven. That might help a little, because I'd rather go to heaven than hell. But I'm just saying, this is real. The power of God's alive. He's here for us. Amen? Amen. Come on, Jesus. If, if I walk by that, that guy sitting there, we have to know our authority. Like if you're, a, if you're a policeman and you've been like ordained, so to speak, as to, to give tickets to arrest, to put people in jail, you have that authority and you have that power. That's what you've been given. And you're in that role, but you don't fully own that role and know who you are in that role. And you see someone running a red light, you're not going to like know your authority to actually do it, to go give a ticket. So in the same way, when I see this guy doing that, I'm like, man, that guy looks oppressed, bro. Like he needs Jesus. Like if you don't know who you are and know that like God actually wants to set people free. Like he actually cares about people. And, and he, the kingdom of God, it says in 1 Corinthians 4.20, is not a matter of talk, but of power. And this is how the early apostles demonstrated it. This is how the foundation of the church, what they, their foundation of faith was, right? Like the power of God for salvation. Come on. I'm just going to talk a little bit about, are they coming in at 540? 
Yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit, just a couple more uh, evangelism testimonies. Um, everyone know Michael Erickson? So, so here's the deal. Some, some of us are like, well, why don't, if, why don't I see this? Like, if this is real for today, why don't I see this, you know? The Bible says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it's the glory of kings to search it out. In other words, like 100% of the people that you don't pray to be, for to be healed aren't going to get healed. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. It's our job to, to seek this stuff out. God is, like, we don't need to test God in it, but it's your job to seek him out. Does that make sense? So... Part of evangelism and sharing your faith, it, it comes from sacrifice, like fire. You know, we all say fire falls on sacrifice. Sometimes there's things you have to do to step out to see God move, and it's so worth it. Like, it's so worth it to see people encounter the love of God. I remember this one time, Michael Erickson and I, we, were, um, we had like two hours to spare before like a men's group. This is literally like forever ago. And... We were going to go watch Batman. We're like, Batman just came out, which Batman, movies are great. Batman's awesome. But we were like, all of a sudden, like, dude, we have two hours. What if we just went to CVS right now and Stater Brothers and started sharing Jesus? And we we're both kind of like, Batman was like right there, but we're kind of like, that actually kind of sounds like we we're just getting pumped, like the nudge of the Lord. We're like, we could do this. Like, let's just go. And I just remember uh, one, well, my, I don't remember all the encounters from that one, but one that spoke to me was we were walking back to my car at Stater Brothers. And I felt like, like almost like a light bulb go off in the middle of my back. Like, doot, doot, doot. Just like, I don't know where, like a physical boop, boop, boop. And I grab my back and I turn around and there's a couple walking into Stater Brothers and we run. I'm like, hey, excuse me. Like, do either of you guys have back pain? We just love Jesus. And I know it's really weird, but uh, I really just feel like he wants to heal one of your backs. And she goes, I just saw you walking that way and grab your back and turn around and come up to me. And she's like, and yeah, I have back pain. And at that moment, the husband was like, no, nah, man, you could ask that to anyone. You could, like, that's just random. And at that moment, the same light bulb went off on my right wrist, like crazy, like boop, boop. And I go, and you have pain in your right wrist. And he goes, whoa. And I, and I was like, whoa, like, this is crazy. And they were like Christians that, had been, that hadn't gone to church in like a long time. They were like kind of done with it. And they just sat and listened to the Lord and the gospel. And they were like so impacted. So these, these gifts like open up a door for people, right? It causes people to, be, to believe. It's just fun, man. The gospel's fun. Sometimes we have to sacrifice to step out, you know, and, and to kind of like wind down. It's, oh man, can I wind down with this topic? Not like time-wise, like, trust me, I want to wind down, but I mean, like, is this enough to unpack? Um, Jesus told his disciples, he said, this is after he resurrected. You know, when he resurrected, it says, and he remained with them for 40 days, showing himself to them with many proofs. They walked with Jesus for however many years, three years plus, and then after he resurrected, it says that he remained with them the resurrected physical Jesus with marks in his hands, hung out with his disciples for 40 days and it literally says, remained with them, showing himself to them with many proofs. And then he tells them and he says, wait here until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. John baptized with water for repentance, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And you will receive power, everyone say power, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Everyone say witnesses. 
in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the end of the earth. Why would Jesus say, wait here until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit? That was before Pentecost, before Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the apostles and the disciples and empowered them. He says, wait here until you receive it, because then you will be my witnesses. That you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. So the power of God is to witness to a resurrected Christ. He is alive and you <laughs> receive the power of God to witness to the resurrection of Jesus. Does that make sense? It's your life is a living epistle. I was a depressed addict. My parents know most of this now, but <laughs> I think they know. Three and a half years. I don't. It was rare that my mental state was okay for three and a half years. You know, it was rare that I wasn't going through crazy thoughts or, or not on something for three and a half years. I was a liar and I was just deceiving people and stealing and just lying to my parents about it. But when I came to Jesus, the power of God came upon me. It's not my own strength. I can't placebo myself into freedom. You know what I'm saying? This power is upon us. Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the good news, to proclaim freedom to the oppressed and sight to the blind. Okay, so the, the, the spirit of the Lord is upon you. If you don't know if you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit to be his witness, um, when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit inside of you. Okay, the Bible says that when you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. And then in, in Acts, if you're, this is like, it's really tricky for some people. They go, well, I don't get it. Like, I've already got the Holy Spirit. Yes, the disciples had the Holy Spirit. Jesus breathed on them already and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, Paul met some disciples and he said, How, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we didn't even know there was one. And he prayed for them and the Holy Spirit fell upon them and they started speaking in tongues. Why am I saying that? I'm trying to create a case for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know if you've received it, I just, why don't you just close your eyes right now? Let's just do this. The band can come up if you want. It's 540. God, I thank you that you're in us for our sake, for righteousness sake, to make us a new person, to walk in holiness and righteousness, that you come and you make your home in us and we become new people in you, God. You literally make us new from the inside out. You make us new. The Bible says he will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. He will put his spirit upon you and cause you to walk in his ways. So Father, I thank you that you're in us and I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us even more to empower us with boldness to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. We're gonna have a ministry team right here. Just lastly, the, the how with all this is not trying really hard. Like the Bible says in Galatians, it says, um, does he who work miracles and do signs and wonders among you do, do, do so by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So in the same way, when Jesus says you will receive power, receive, it's a gift. It's nothing that we have to try to like, well, I don't see it in my life or like, you know, when you're praying for the sick, it's not about mustering up faith for them to be healed. It's just believing 
that God wants them healed more than, more than you do. And if you don't see it, that doesn't mean you give up because faith doesn't quit. Does that make sense? We haven't arrived yet. The Bible says we're growing into the full stature of Christ and everyone who came to Jesus was healed. Amen? Jesus.